What was your first thought getting up this morning? Were you concerned with the challenges of the day? Maybe even perhaps the challenge of what temptations you might encounter? I want to begin with a prayer called a prayer upon waking. Dear God, they write, so far today I've done all right. I have not gossiped and I have not lost my temper. I haven't been grumpy, nasty, or selfish. And I'm really glad of that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm probably going to need a lot of help. Thank you. Amen. Why do we need to pray those words that Jesus taught? Lead me not into temptation. Because Jesus knew what we are like. And the strong draw that we have to temptation and sin. Starting all the way back to Adam. No, not Adam Colstrom, Adam and Eve. Just what is it about this one word that causes us so much angst and challenge? Miriam Dictionary says that when we are tempted, we are enticed or allured to do something often regarded as unwise, wrong, or immoral. But being tempted and giving into it are two different things. D.L. Moody once said, It is not sin to be tempted. When Christians are tempted, he said, they should not be discouraged. It is not sin to be tempted. The sin is to fall into the temptation, to fall into sin. Yet, yet, we go from temptation to sin in lightning speed sometimes. Thomas Kempis, writer of a book, The Imitation of Christ, goes deeper with this than this definition. And he writes for us the very process of going from temptation to sin. This is how temptation is, he writes. First, we have a thought. It's followed by strong imaginings. Then, the pleasure and evil emotions come in. And finally, the consent to it all. That is, the gotcha moment. And you realize yourself. Please understand that sin can enter in after any one of those steps. Even the initial thought. You may remember, remember Jesus saying that if someone had even the lustful thought, they had already committed adultery. So you don't have to go very far before you're sliding very fast down that slippery slope. In fact, sometimes it's hard to distinguish where one turns into the other. We're tempted, though, because we want to be happy. Don't you? That's often the crux of it. John Piper says that sin, lust for example, gets its power by persuading me to believe that I will be happier if I follow it. David got into this kind of trouble and committed adultery with Bathsheba. The power of all temptation is the prospect that it will make me happier. 
We all want to be happy, right? But herein lies why I'm preaching this topic today. About six weeks ago, I was bemoaning to myself the dull and unfruitful place that I was in my walk with Christ. I came across the book I mentioned earlier, The Imitation of Christ. I've picked it up multiple times over the last 20 years. And this particular day, six weeks ago, I turned to the chapter on temptation. It was only four or five pages long, but it was powerful, and I've been reading it each night ever since, along with the scriptures. Guess what? I found out why I was stuck. You see, if you keep going back to the same temptation, time after time after time, you get kind of caught in this circle, this never-ending circle, but you never seem to quite move ahead where you'd like to be. Thomas Akempis writes this hard truth. We never will be free of trials and temptations as long as our earthly life lasts. That's part of the bad news. There is some good news in all of this. Peter, in his first letter, also told us, be well-balanced, be temperate, sober of mind, be vigilant and cautious at all times. For that enemy of yours, the devil, he roams around like a lion, a roaring lion, in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour that has happened to me over and over and over again for over 50 years in some cases. I've been devoured often. And it's probably happened to you and we see it in multiple examples throughout the scriptures. So tell me, what's your greatest temptation today? Pornography? Gossip? Unforgiveness? I know, I know, I'm meddling now, aren't I? Perhaps God is calling you in one direction, but like Jonah, you want to run the other way. And watch out for some folks like these too. There was once four pastors who were spending a couple of days at a cabin. In the evening, they decided to tell each other their biggest temptations. First pastor said, well, it's kind of embarrassing, but my big temptation is bad pictures. Once I even bought a copy of the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Ha, my temptation is worse than that, said the second pastor. It's gambling. One Saturday, instead of preparing my sermon, I went to the racetrack to bet on the ponies. Ha, mine is still worse, said the third I sometimes can't control my urge to drink. One time I actually broke in to the sacramental wine. Well, the fourth pastor was kind of quiet. Brothers, I hate to say this, but my temptation is worst of all. I love to gossip. And if you guys will excuse me, I'd like to make a few phone calls. I guess this is why we have an important rule in men's group, too. What's said in there stays in there. But all kidding aside, 
Think about this topic. How long has a particular temptation dragged you down? How relentless has it pursued you? Have you given into it over and over and over again and said to God, Oh, I won't do that again. Yet, a few moments later, there it is again calling you. Perhaps one problem, as put forth by an anonymous source, is that when you flee temptation, be sure you don't leave a forwarding address. My recommendation? Send it back. Return to sender. Address unknown. And don't go looking for it. Nobody likes to be dogged. But each time we yield to temptation, we assure the mail will keep coming. Like marketing mail. It says you need something, but you don't really. And yet it keeps coming and coming and coming. So if temptation is such a challenge, how are we to press on to some sort of victory, some sort of deliverance from it? We find some of that in Mark 14, 38. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Peter also writes for us to be aware and to be alert. If the flesh is weak, then what does that tell us is needed? We need some supernatural help. I know I need it. That's why it's taken me so long, because I keep either not asking or ignoring what I hear. But these words from Paul give such encouragement that we do have the help we need. And you also can have that. For not one of us is unique. Listen to Paul's words to the people in Corinth. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. We're not alone. We have the, the ability in God's strength and provision to have victory, to be delivered. There is a way out of each and every temptation. But, 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 how and where? In my earlier comments that brought me to this sermon today, I have felt harassed, perhaps for decades. I refused to deal with the roots that kept me from coming, that kept me from resisting the same temptations. I want to share a short analogy. I've been trying to keep up with the weeding of some Rosa Rugosas at our office this year. They are very prickly. I ended up the first time around with scratches all up and down both arms. And they were quite painful for about a week. If you don't pull up the roots of the weeds early in the season while those Rosa Rigoshas are only perhaps a foot tall, you will have to go back all season and frequently 
weed again. But if you don't take out, and if you don't take out those roots in the early season, not only will you have to keep going back, but if you don't have Kevlar gloves, you will suffer the pain of the prickles on the Rosa Rigosha plant. Well, succumbing to temptation is the same. You will keep coming back to the same temptation over, and it hurts more and more. There are no Kevlar gloves for this. Pull out the roots early and resist the temptations. Well, you gardeners might say, what about mulch? Isn't there some way to hide those weeds? Mulch is good, yes, but if you try to get rid of temptation by hiding it where others can't see it, like under the mulch of privacy, perhaps, or isolation, it does not work well. So what do we do? How do we resist? Perhaps you feel like Oscar Wilde, who said, don't tempt me. I can resist anything but temptation. Or the words of Robert Orban, a magician and comedy writer, who says, most people would like to be delivered from temptation, but would still like to keep in touch with it just a bit. Sever those ties, folks. Don't keep in touch with it. Send it back, return to sender. So what are the spiritual weapons of this battle? Several things I have been finding helpful over these last six weeks. Prayer is critical. Do not underestimate the power of prayer. Praying for help, the temptation every time we pray. The temptation comes, stop it there with prayer. We're also told to pray unceasingly, as taught by Paul. Why? Because temptation is relentless. I'm probably preaching to the choir, aren't I? Prayer, though, is critical. Also, but also, we must keep in the Word. The more you know, the more likely to succeed against temptation. Pick up the Word and resist the enemy. He hates it. Pick it up. Read it. Eat it like you would your three square meals a day. I promise you won't get fat on this. In the Word, you'll find sustenance for your journey, power to resist temptation, and joy. Joy at the knowledge that our sins are forgiven. And finally, hope. Hope because Jesus went to prepare a place for us. A place where... We will not be dogged by temptation one day. But because we do have the prayer, do have the tools of prayer and the word and faith and fellowship, we can experience some of that peace now, even though we may still fail along the way. There is hope. Hope in Christ alone. Jesus came in part because we are all harassed in some way by this, but also because we were failing against the evil one's pursuit. Peter tells us, be sober-minded, be watchful, 
Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. But here's the rest of the story. Here's the good news, I guess you would call it. Resist him. Resist him. Stay firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So there's prayer, the word, faith, and hope. We as Christians have a common problem. What is it? It's temptation. We recognize that we're sinners, and the good news is we're saved from that. We have the very power of God helping us to continue on our journey and resist temptations. And we have a common faith that should cause us to strengthen and build one another up. Thomas Akempis gives us some good advice. He says, when you're tempted, seek the advice of a wise counselor and do not yourself be harsh with persons who are tempted. Rather, be happy to console them as you wish to be consoled. Counsel and consolation go hand in hand because we have all, no one excluded, we have all been down this road. We are not to enable one another, but not to judge one another either. Temptation often happens, though, when we're isolated from one another, as we have been over the last five months in different ways. We need to stay connected, keep short accounts, but keep them short with both God and with one another. When tempted or when you've given in, confess it to God and confess it to one another. I know phones and devices are no substitute for direct personal interaction, but stay connected and care for one another in whatever ways you can. Temptation is also about choosing a path or a highway. The path, excuse me, the highway is the easy way. To get to the, there the fastest, but it's pretty boring. But choosing a path is the best way. The path that God is leading us on. Whom will you serve, Joshua asked. Perhaps we could ask, what will we serve to? Maybe our wallets even. Every temptation too is a choice. Who or what will we serve? Some of you may be familiar with a place called Dante's View. In Death Valley, there's a place known as Dante's View. There you can look down to the lowest point of the United States, a depression in the earth 200 feet below sea level called Bad Water. But from that same spot, you can also look up to the highest peak, Mount Whitney, 14,500 feet up. One way leads to the lowest and the other to the highest. From that point, though, called Dante's View, any movement you make must be in one direction or the other. There are many times in our lives when we stand where the ways part and where choices must be made. It is often easier to trip along downhill than it is to walk the steady, maybe rocky, maybe long uphill 
path. But the path uphill leads to the cross, an empty cross. And the one that walks beside us is the one who hung there and defeated it. Stand firm against temptations so we don't go below sea level, but rather that we climb to the heights, the place where ultimately we will be most joyful and happiest. Excuse me. Praise be to God that he sent us Jesus who has overcome the sin in our lives. That is, he paid the price for those sins. Yes, we have failed, but now we can live as he has provided, in victory, and as he desires for us to live in fellowship with himself. As it is written in Hebrews, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. So the things that God has spoken in his word, we must pay closer attention to. For because Jesus, from Hebrews 2.18, for because Jesus himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Therefore, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion back in Moses' day, on the day of testing in the wilderness. In other words, don't lose your focus. Keep your eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of your faith, Jesus Christ. Our choice, we have a choice with temptation every single time. It's likely, though, that we'll leave today from here, and we'll be tempted yet again. And we'll fail again. But don't despair. Confess and receive God's forgiveness again. And continue and rest in Him more and more. Never, never give up. Christ is on our side. So as we close, we take our example to live from Jesus who was tempted but didn't sin. We take our model to love from Jesus' sacrifice and the Father's willingness to give up His only Son. We receive the power and counsel to overcome temptation and sin by the power of the Holy Spirit and the counsel and consolation of each other. So go forth in Christ's strength and encourage one another with these words. For your crown awaits, as Paul said. Your Father calls you home, as the Father called the prodigal. We can beat this. We can beat this temptation. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Let's bow for prayer. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you have provided a way out of each and every temptation. Thank you that you have given us the ability to converse with you, 
the ability, Lord, to read Your Word, to know Your commandments, to understand who You are. Thank You, Lord, for Your faithfulness to us. And thank You, Lord, for the hope that we have in You. We look forward to that day, Lord, when we go to the place that You have prepared for us. But for now, Lord, keep us safe in Your hand. Keep us, Lord, resisting temptation through Your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.